So this is now the Russia that we are living with and we have to be prepared. You're listening to the news on RTHK. And hold on to your hat for back chat with me, Andrew Work. Today is Friday, the 13th of May. Hong Kong's executive council approved fare increases for taxis with initial charges jumping to $23, uh, jumping by $3. And that's what we're talking about today. So the flag fall for the red taxis will climb from Hong Kong $24 to Hong Kong $27. Fares will start at $23.50 in the new territories and $22 on Lantau's Blue Bombers. Incremental charges will jump 20 cents a meter and then 10 cents more after nine kilometers. The hit will come on July 17th after negative vetting by the Legislative Council. This will be the first fare increase since 2017, and we want to know what's your take. Are passengers getting a fair deal? Are drivers being shortchanged? We want your opinions and your questions. You can leave us a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3, or email us at backchat at RTHK, or rthk.hk, or give us a call on 2338 8266. And uh, we did have a message to our Facebook page last week about the loud American host on Fridays. Uh, just so as not to besmirch American's good name, I am in fact a loud Canadian host. Uh, so just wanted to make that clear. I'm sure somebody who really wanted to have that clear was our first guest today, who is Sonia Cheng, the executive director at Chung Shing Taxi. And she's also a member on the Committee of Taxi Service Quality. Good morning, Sonia Cheng. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning. So uh, we have this fair increase is in place, and I understand the industry is not happy. Well, it has been a long time coming, but better late than never. Um, I appreciate the approval, but we also want to express that we are quite disappointed with the rate of the fair increase. Um, the current rate of fair increase is not enough to provide incentives to attract new drivers to join the taxi industry. Moreover, we have to recognize that the uh, current rates of fares increase are not enough to counter the continued rise in operational costs of the trade that has suffered for the past five years. Yeah, I mean, five years does seem like a long time. Why are there not smaller increases along the way instead of a big, a big jump all at once? Well, actually, we have filed the application on uh, 2018, but I'm, I'm, for numerous reasons, we only got approvals until now, so which is about four or five years later. Right, and and I understand, uh, you know, when they were planning for this, did they include or could they have foreseen the recent rise in fuel prices? Oh, you mean the the government? Yes. Uh, actually, we have been talking to them like over and over again. So, um, actually, we have been calling on government to facilitate running in view of the changing transportation land- landscape in the city, mm-hmm. as well as the fare and the and the odd. To, to uh, review the, all the operational costs because you see the insurance costs has been rising like over one hundred percent in the past few years. Wow. Okay. So I'm, I'm you know I kind of led with the with the fuel prices, but you're saying insurance is even an even bigger hit to the yeah. operating costs. Yes, it is. Uh, back in uh, 2017, our insurance cost for third party insurance is about uh, twenty thousand uh, dollars a year. Mm-hmm. But in this year, we are facing, we're talking about 45000 a year. Why is that happening? Why are insurance costs going up so quickly? Um, one of the reasons is the, main, the major player in the, in the taxi in, uh, insurance uh, market, they have been closed down. I think it's all over the news. The target insurance has been closed down. Right. I, do, so, I, I remember yeah. that. And, and why has nobody come into the market to take, their, take that leading position? 
I think the um, target has been monetized. I, I would say monetized the market for quite a long while. So other insurance companies are just uncertain about the market. They're, they're just listening or they they don't have the figures to prove oh, huh, what was the actual situation there. So I, there are many insurance companies looking into the taxi market, but they're yet to make a move because, you know, they're, they're quite new to the market. I mean, what's the uncertainty? I mean, there's taxis operating in places all over the world. There have been taxis operating in Hong Kong for decades. I mean, it's it's not like a brand new technology or a new industry. Yeah. Hong Kong situation is quite compact on the roads, and even the track record of the, the previous insurance company is not very good, obviously. Mm. So they're still looking into the market to see if they can, like, uh, provide services or provide the policies to cover right. Hong Kong families. But some of the uh, other countries, the government actually involved in the insurance policies for the patients. Mm. Yeah, so, do you feel, so when you say the government's getting involved, what, what are they doing to help bring uh, new operators into the market? Um, actually, they're not doing it at the moment. Um, they're hoping the insurance um, sector will be involved, but um, I cannot see uh, the units involving in the providing coverage for the taxi industry. Boy, okay. So, so we've got insurance as a big part of the puzzle, but uh, the labor force, you know, the, the industry representatives like yourself have said that the, a big issue is the fact that we can't draw new people into the taxi business. I mean, the taxi industry has always been kind of a buffer for the unemployed, maybe lower education, middle, late to middle-aged man, it seems like. Um, but is, is the taxi industry not serving that role anymore? Um, it's still serving that role, but um, but to be honest, uh, just like I've just said, it's the current rate of the fare is not enough to provide incentive to attract the new drivers to come into the taxi industry. We can see in uh, the average professional drivers in other transportation uh, means it's like uh, twenty two thousand a month, but for taxi, you can, we're talking about about eighteen thousand. So there's four thousand lakh each month. And, and who are you competing with when you say other drivers? Is it minibus drivers? Is it uh, construction truck drivers? Delivery drivers? Uh, I don't know. Go-go van? la la, la move Is it... Who, who's the competition for taxi drivers? Um, actually, all, all, all professional drivers, they, they are, I mean, they just come, come around and go around, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, if they found taxi, taxi... Being a taxi driver can get more salaries on, uh, in, in a certain period. They come to and join the taxi industry. But now, you see, the buses are, are lacking lack drivers. The uh, Google van lack drivers, uh, MTR lack drivers. I mean, everywhere, uh, even the shape or the boat lack drivers. Wow, so it's, uh, it's an all-around issue. Where, now, when these fares go up, uh, where is the extra money going to flow? Because, I mean, there, there's, there's a sense among some people that the drivers aren't going to see any of that, that it's just going to, the, the owners are going to raise the rents to the drivers, uh, mm. and that all of that, all, you know, that, you know, all of that money will flow to the, uh, to the taxi owners. Um, that's not the case, actually. During the pandemic, uh, we have been lowered the rent more than half of the original rent because mm. of the of the pandemic, we are very keen to keep all the drivers in the industry to uh, keep it running because I know we we all know that the the, the pedestrian or the citizens will need a taxi service anyway. So we have to, with the main goal for us is to see fewer idling taxis. So I don't think there will be a timeline for for uh, uh, increasing the rent at the moment. Gotcha. I mean, I mean, it, it has been brutal. I mean, I know that I've been out at five o'clock on a Friday afternoon. And there's 
empty taxis all over the place, which I mean was unimaginable previously. You know, it was always like, forget it, you can't get a taxi. Um, maybe to get a little bit more into the the details of of how this works, we have an email from Vic who would like uh, you to break down the cost of running a taxi. And if you have an idea of the percentages that can be attributed to labor, insurance, fuel, and maintenance. Uh, and I think, Vic, I already, we already got to your other question about the division between drivers and uh, owners. But, but uh, can, you, can you break down for us, Ms. Chang, a little bit more of the, the, how much of it is labor, how much is insurance, how much is fuel, how much is maintenance? Uh, I think it's fair for, to say the drivers would like to have uh, around 20,000 take-home money each month, which is quite... Um, because, you know, they work 10, 12 hours a day, a shift. Mm-hmm. And the inference cost has been rising. I, I, I just said it, it has been increased by over 100% in the past few years. Mm-hmm. And the fuel is, I mean, it's like a rocket high now. So yeah. uh, we're talking about more than 30 or 40% increase in the past few months. And that should be, I mean, regulated by the government, the LPG price. But uh, we we just cannot help, you know. Uh, you, you that's can't help our that's our food and that's our fuel every day for taxi drivers. Yeah, yeah. How how does it break down as a percentage though? I mean, uh, how much of your operating costs of a, of a taxi each day? How 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 much is labor? How much is insurance? How much fuel? Do you have a sense of that? Uh, I would say the insurance is about seventy percent of the <laughs> operating cost. Seventy percent is the insurance. Yes, it is. That's cr- okay. <laughs> Seems a little crazy. Yeah. And the rest, actually, we we um we have as the owner or the taxi operator, we have around we are, we got around twenty percent, including the uh, maintenance and the rent. So the rest will be will goes into the the drivers. Okay, okay, got it, got it. And is are you able to get any kind of a break on, for example, tax on petrol? Because I mean, the cost of a liter of petrol retails about seventy percent tax. And then the next, I believe it's 20% is, you know, what they pay in rent uh, for, the, for the sites. Are you able to get any kind of a break on that level? Uh, not really. Actually, we have been asking the government to, to review the, the taxi type, or the, I mean the car type for the taxi, because, you know, the current petrol price is high. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, we have been urging to see if there is a, is a chance that we can use petrol car for taxis, because there are, two, uh, I mean, there are models not just the LPG one, right. but um, the government's refusing on that because it's not, um, maybe it's not economical or it's, it's not environmental friendly. Sure. Uh, but we have been calling to relax the car model type. Right, because I guess they're trying to get you to switch to LPG and even electric, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how many taxis on the road now are electric? As a percentage? Oh, I think none of them. <laughs> but we have a plan to, to, uh, to introduce more electric taxi uh, in the coming in the coming years. Okay, but we don't have any yet. It's uh, LPG's kind of been the green solution of, for for now. Yes, it is. Okay, and what what would be stopping us from moving to electric vehicles? Is it is it not practical for charging? Uh, we actually need the infrastructure, like because you know the taxi run twenty four hours every day. We need like more than one charging pole for for one taxi in that sense. So it has to to be like charging everywhere. To have to make this city to have uh, uh, electric taxi running in place. Right, and you can't take them off the road for half an hour to charge them. That's not going to work. And we don't have parking space. Yeah. Okay. So I guess that that'll be another one. So, 
So in, in light of these changes now with the uh, the $3 increase uh, for flag fall, increases for, you know, the, the waiting, you, you'll start paying more uh, as a customer if you're waiting. Uh, I believe mm. it's instead of 60 seconds, I think it's what, 45 seconds, and the, the fare will start ticking over again. Um, you applied in 2018 for fare increase. It took you until now to get one. Are you already applying for the next one? Or are you going to wait until the new chief executive comes in before you make a new application for, for some kind of a, an adjustment? Well, I, I think you, you you see, for every application, it takes about two years to get approved. So um, we've been behind for five years. I, I, I'm not sure for now, but I, I think we'll be reviewing the uh, the fare increase uh, after this this uh, this time and then we'll see after the pandemic when we get out of the pandemic i think that definitely we have to review on the pricing um but the, actually the taxi industry has been long longing for change for five years ten years because you know the taxi taxi industry has been remained the same in the past few years yeah and i mean so so but as i said are you going to be applying oh wait we've got some uh, some questions coming in uh <laughs> here we go we have uh couple of different things. Uh, private chauffeurs are competing too. A friend of mine said it's extremely difficult to get a private chauffeur for her limousine. I've got a whole whole pile of uh, Facebook and e- emails that I just got thrown at me. Uh, is, is that is that an issue as well? Are you, comp- are, you comp- are drivers like turning to become private drivers as well? Um, not really, because one of the the the, uh, the issue is the um, there is something called high car permit for a private car or private drivers if they would like to take passengers for a fare. Um, I think that, that is another, another topic on the public transport landscape. Okay. Well, uh, Ms. Chang, I understand you were only able to join us until 9.15 today, and you've been very gracious to come on, so thank you very much for coming on the show. Well, no worries. Thank you. That's uh, that's uh, Sonia Cheng, who's the executive director at Chengxing Taxi. Uh, we're joined in the second half of the show from a back chat regular, Alok Jane, who is the CEO of Trans Consult and a member of the Council for Decarbonizing Transport in Asia. Alok Jane, welcome back to Back Chat. Yes. Good morning, Andrew. Thank you. Good morning. So, what do you make of this uh, this this fare hike? Well, there are two things here. One is obviously the fare hike is necessary. Hong Kong taxis are relatively much cheaper as compared to the developed cities you see around the world. So fare hike is obviously is a livelihood issue for the taxi trade. That's one. But then the other side of the coin is whether the fare hike is linked anywhere to the improvement of the quality of service that is provided in Hong Kong. And I think it, uh, the market uh, has been has long been calling for an improvement in the kind of provision that we have. You know, the taxis are very old, the drivers are very old, the services that are provided are, uh, in many cases, are substandard. So I think we have to look at it from two sides, and, and I would have thought that this price increase should have also been an opportunity for the government to institute some of the incentives in the market. I mean, I don't mind paying more for a taxi if it provides a better quality than what it does today. Mm. We we had a, a caller into our, our sound booth and uh, our producer, uh, Yuki, took notes. He said uh, from Ashok, he says the fare increase is justifiable, but uh, Ashok says, I'm an Indian. Normally, four out of five drivers don't stop for us. I guess he means other Indians. He says a code of conduct should be introduced. Uh, why do you want a fare increase if you're being selective in customers? And I believe there is some talk in government about introducing a, not a code of conduct, but a, but a, a system of penalties and points. For drivers, are you familiar with that that uh, policy paper? Well, they have been talking.
talking about it for for a very long time, but the taxi trade had been resisting this. And obviously, the way uh, our current governance system works, um, the taxi trade has a much bigger voice, uh, let's say, in the Let's Go Transport panel than, than big public transport companies have or the customers have, for that matter. So things have not just gone through. Uh, a lot of these reforms have been talked about, have been planned, have been proposed. Government talked about premium taxis in the past. And, and that also now been abolished and abandoned. So, uh, uh, you know, yes, there is a lot of talk about those things, but uh, I don't know how much of it will get implemented. Okay, it sounds like the owners aren't happy with it. Uh, we have an email here from Tommy W. He signs off, fellow Canuck. He says, hey, loud Canadian. I don't object to the fare increase, but the real issue is the government policy as regards the issuance of taxi licenses. While we want to see drivers fairly compensated, it's the owners that mostly benefit. This has a knock-on effect of producing grumpy drivers. One more issue is the comfort level of vehicles. No wonder Uber is so popular. Um, uh, Alex Jane, you know, Tommy raises the issue of the, the issuance of taxi licenses. Is, is, is that impacting on the success of the industry right now? Is the fare increase a little bit of a, a red herring? Well, that is one of the reasons why um, the, the taxi industry behaves the way it does. There is a cap, and uh, now on the on the market of eighteen thousand five hundred taxis, and um, and and hence the license goes at a premium. You know, sometimes uh, if you know at at the peak of it, a taxi license was costing as much as a as a flat in Hong Kong, as an apartment in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine, uh, you know, the the close knit uh, and involvement of vested interest into that market. And if you look at, I mean, just a comparison, look at Singapore. In Singapore, anybody who can provide a quality service can get into the taxi trade. It's really an open market where you compete on the basis of quality of services that you provide. And I think that is the kind of reform Hong Kong needs. So we need to break this uh, this cap, this artificial 18,500 cap, which was instituted in 1990s and open the market up for the new entrants who can come in. And I'm not a big fan of Uber as such because because of the gray area that it operates in. But having said that, we need an Uber type of um, disruption in the taxi market. I mean, we have I mean, Uber is in the market. Now they've teamed up with the taxi companies, right? Yes, it has. But uh, I think that is just to provide a bit of a legitimacy in the taxi trade. But uh, to Uber um, by partnering into the taxi trade. But having said that, that hasn't really changed anything on the taxi side of the business. Mm, gotcha, gotcha. I've got a couple of couple of emails I'm going to combine here from Pat, uh, who says taxi drivers in the industry generally, if they if we want if they want the top dollars, they should provide top services. Many taxi drivers have horrible traffic conviction records, criminal records, and many drivers are awful. More regulation is required to raise standards, and then we might talk about pay standards. Continuing on pay, Leon says, your guest says that cabbies take home around 20K per month. She's dreaming. I regularly speak with my cab drivers and they repeatedly tell me that their net income is 12 to 15,000. I think she said 20,000 was a target. Uh, she said they were may- maybe making 18, but if Leon's hearing that it's lower than that, 12 to 15. Um, uh, do you know where the truth lies in this, Alec? Is this something you've looked at in detail? And, and is there a problem with the labor force if we're not, if people so, aren't getting paid? Well, so it's a range of things. And I have also spoken to a lot of cabbies. I mean, having been in the transport trade for 30 years, um, I, I can tell you that the, it, the range, it, it's, it's not a fixed amount. Um, you know, you, you have taxi drivers who are very strict about their shifts and they don't do any hanky-panky. They earn less, of course. Um, and twelve to 15,000 may be um, the right amount that, that they are earning. But then you have uh, these entrepreneurial uh, taxi drivers who 
you know, operate with five telephones on their dashboard and they're picking up and they, you know, passengers, they offer some discounts here and there. They work maybe 16 hours a day. They can make up to 30,000. I mean, I met a taxi driver and I was actually surprised. And he said he makes 30,000 and he, he can do seven, eight big long trips to airport every day. Is he so, awesome? yeah, I mean, there are, there is a whole range of, uh, I think, <clears throat> operators. Right. And is it more the professional ones that are taking it seriously? Because, you know, we said in the first part of the show that it has traditionally acted as a buffer uh, for, you know, general, you know, largely men, unemployed, lower education, uh, you know, older. older. Yeah. yeah, that maybe couldn't get jobs anywhere, anywhere else, really. And so this is kind of like a fallback position. Well, I wouldn't say so. It's, it's a lot of people also do it for the freedom that it uh, gives you as a as a as a worker because you have your flexi time, you can earn opportunity to earn more. But yes, uh, the age of the taxi drivers is a problem, and that is kind of uh, you know it's, a, it's a, to me a lot of people who have been driving buses and and um, you know other professional drivers. This is their second life in mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. So they they enter into the trade after they have been, uh, you know, they've been driving buses for for twenty thirty years, and they, then they have nothing else to do. Suddenly one day they are just retired, and and you know, so they get into the trade. So it, traditionally, that's why you see mini buses and taxis. They have older drivers because these are second life of the of the commercial drivers. Yeah, Henry Young on our Facebook page, he kind of raises the issue. Mini bus drivers, uh, you know, he talks about. You know, he says that everybody needs to make a living and everybody knows prices are going up. Inflation, oil prices operation. Uh, he kind of has breakdown of vegetable inflation. You can check our Facebook page for that. But he says he also says, uh, I think equally minibus drivers should get a raise too since it's difficult to get new drivers and many routes are operating at a loss. But if routes are operating at a loss, it's kind of hard to raise prices, isn't it? Well, so operating at a Hong Kong model has always been that the loss and the profit is, is actually the entrepreneur's problem. It's not really government's problem. And, and mm-hmm. I have no problem with that, right. and especially when you do the route selection, you deploy the technology. I think, I mean, personally, I am not in favor of just cash handouts. Uh, just to so that some because somebody is making a loss because that incentivizes loss making. Uh, what I would certainly uh, go for is where the the many of these informal so-called informal trade, which are you know one man operation or or one person owning five six vehicles, they need to get into the fold of technology, and that technology layer can be provided by a third party or the government, which can then unleash a lot of efficiency. You can see most of the minibus operation in Hong Kong. They have no back, no, no, no app or nothing. You can't book a seat. I mean, I stand for a minibus. Sometimes I'm waiting for four minibuses just to get one seat. I mean, that's the kind of thing. That's the kind of uh, resistance or, or uh, you know, impedance in the travel that we have created. You can stand in the road uh, waiting for a taxi for for 20 minutes, and nothing comes. And so, I mean, this this is the kind of imbalance in the in the operation that we need to address. I think. Hong Kong market is evolved enough for everyone to make money. It's just that how to to make your systems more efficient is the big question here. Would, would flexibility and speed in decision making help? I mean, uh, you know, this this application for a change in fares has been going on since 2018, and I mean, you know, the, the market has been up and down, and you know, you're talking about waiting for minibuses in some places. You know, I'm I'm on empty minibuses all the time. You know, including this morning, whereas they used to, I remember they used to run full. Um, but Gore's conditions have changed. Is the policy not keeping up with the speed of change in society? Well, policy is policy. 
I would say policy is all there. I think policy-wise uh, framework is all there. It's just the process of decision-making has slowed down. Mm-hmm. So the time you make the application to the time you actually get uh, the results out of it, and that cycle has become longer and longer. It used to be much shorter. I mean, uh, again, really? in, the, in the old days uh, when there was MDR and KCR were running fair autonomy, the bus companies had a fair autonomy, th- these decisions were much faster, and now it's taking much longer. One more reason of that is the, the, the political side of it is being addressed by Exco, by Legco, and, and prices for some reason are always perceived with, uh, you know, the political tenderness, which, uh, which it doesn't deserve. I mean, even a 3, 4% price adjustment um, becomes a major issue. I think we, we should link it like MTRC has done uh, to a formula, a CPI or wage index driven formula then it becomes transparent, predictable, and everybody in the, in the market would survive on, on that basis. And, and instead of it being a political bun fight that drags out for four years before it, we can exactly. get a decision. Right, and I mean, why is that? Do they have decisions, do they have uh, me- memories of the Star Ferry riots uh, back in the 60s still pervading their thinking today? Not exactly. It's just that, you know, politicians being politicians, they, they always have considered fair as a livelihood issue, even though uh, if you look at the overall household income versus what is charged on the on the public transport in Hong Kong, it's a fairly low number uh, as compared to the international benchmark. But uh, somehow uh, this is a favorite beating boy of, uh, of politicians. They always think fair is a sensitive issue, and any granting the increase in fares uh, becomes, um, you know, political bun fight, as you mentioned. Okay, I've got I've got a couple of more uh, comments coming in. We got a lot of got a lot of uh, traffic today. It's funny we did, you know, we thought the abortion issue last week was going to be really uh, controversial. Uh, you know, not many people wrote in, but today we've got piles of them. Uh, John uh, John Kowloon says Hong Kong is one of the world's most expensive cities, mainly due to housing related costs. I haven't done the calculation, but cab fares as a ratio of housing costs in Hong Kong must be one of the world's lowest. Bottom line. It is justifiable yep. to increase cab fares. Thank you. Regards, John Kowloon. Uh, thank you for that, John. And hey, I got one question to take you out on today, um, Alec. From Ted Elgier, he says, time to go with one taxi color for all of Hong Kong. Urbanization has made the old system obsolete. It's all about protecting the owners of the taxi licenses. What? Yeah, Absolutely it- supported that. You know, and I honestly <clears throat> cannot find any justification anymore of having this green, red, and, and blue distinction. Uh, and, and this is just a protectionist policy which is outdated, which has been overtaken by the, as you said, urban development in Hong Kong. And I think today this has just become, um, you know, people who are holding red licenses, they just don't want to open it up for the green taxis because the, the value of those licenses are much lower. And they think that if that is, that is opened up, it will reduce the price of their licenses or the premium on their licenses. Uh-huh. And I think that's a, that's a ridiculous protectionist policy and a government should, that, that should have been done long time ago in my opinion. Okay, well there we've got the final word on licenses and one color taxis. I'm sure we'll have the green and blue paint sellers on here to argue against that idea. Uh, but I'm sure the red the red guys will be all for it. Thank you very much. Alok Jane, CEO of Trans Consult and member of the Council for Decarbonizing Transport in Asia. Thanks for coming on again. 
And we're going to go now. Uh, we're wrapping up back chat today. We'd like to thank all of our listeners, especially those that called in and sent emails. I'd like to thank today our producer, Yuki Tsung, and my soulful sound man, Andy. Uh, we'd like you to make sure you tune in Monday for more COVID talk and the masters of the back chat multiverse, Jim Gould and Mike Rouse will be on. Uh, and I'm going to say a little extra shout out to Mark Rawson, who's going to be on a little bit after 10 o'clock here today on RTHK Radio 3 with Phil Whalen talking about made in Hong Kong music. I just met Mark for the first time yesterday, and he seems like a pretty interesting guy. We'll give you the weather as we prepare to go. Uh, it's not looking good out there. 